Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. And today, we are going to discuss binge eating disorder. It should come as no surprise to many people that, well, I'm overweight, but I used to be really, really overweight. And Vin, who is now felt and sexy, was... <laughs> you you well, have an interesting definition of svelte and sexy then, because damn. The, the bottom line, Vin, if we were being honest with ourselves, you and I are both overweight. Truth. Now, I don't know why you're overweight. Why are you overweight, Vin? Uh, bad eating habits, genetics, you know, lack of exercise. Pick your reason. Probably all of the above. Mm-hmm. I am overweight because I have binge eating disorder. It pretty much means that I eat for any emotional reason. If I'm angry, I eat. If I'm sad, I eat. If I'm bored, I eat. If I'm scared, I eat. Eating sort of became my de facto defense mechanism for the world. And it caused me to balloon out to 550 pounds. You might be describing it, but just left out a key part of it, which is eating large amounts of food. A large amount of food very rapidly. Right. Uh, All you described was emotional eating, which applies to me as well. But you have the other factor there. That's very true. Thanks for for clearing that up. Uh, One of the things that I used to do during binge eating sessions is uh, I, I once ate three large pizza hut pan pizzas in, in, in about seven minutes. It was incredible. And they were the Supremes, the super Supremes are super Supremes still a thing. Did I just, did I just date myself? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> pan pizzas from pizza hut aren't as good as they used to be, but I, I think that most people can, can sort of get the idea that eating three large pizzas in one sitting, uh, especially so rapidly, is is not the definition of good mental health. And they're certainly not the definition of, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling bad all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe you even kept that down. I mean, that's crazy. Well, and listen, that's the thing. That wasn't all that I ate. I, I ordered three pizzas and I ate three pizzas and, you know, a half an hour would go by, maybe even an hour, but then I'd start eating the snacks that I kept around the house. I would eat ice cream by the gallon. Uh, I would eat bags of potato chips. The serving size was really sort of an insult to me. You know, serves 12. Well, I'm only one person. It was difficult because I didn't see anything wrong with it. I just thought I was hungry. And even as I got heavier and heavier and heavier, or let's be honest, fatter and fatter and fatter, I still had all of these reasons that, hey, a lot of six foot three people weigh 400 pounds. No, 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 no. A lot of six foot three people weigh 500 pounds. And it just kept going. And I was very young at this time. I was in my early, early 20s. Right. I agree with you about the serving sizes. I mean, I I look at you know, serves, you know, four on a, on a pint of ice cream. And I just laugh at that because who in the world really thinks half a cup is a serving of ice cream? Who? Show me these people. I, I think that it's the nutrition board, maybe. What, they don't what count. The- <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't count. They're I, not I, people. 
<laughs> they're not they're not people they're they're <laughs> we're bureaucrats they don't they don't they don't count they're not the same one of the things that i remember very specifically about being so heavy was just the difficulty that i had doing things whenever i would fly on an airplane i'd have to get a seatbelt extender and mm. I, I barely fit in the seat and i i think one of the things that helped me fit in the seat is that i was six foot three and my weight was you know, but between my legs. So I, I had the man spread, not because I was, you know, mean to the people around me, but because I needed an actual place for my stomach. I had a seatbelt extender in my car, but here's the thing. I, I didn't have a seatbelt extender in my car until somebody noticed that I had been driving around for the last couple of years without a seatbelt. And the reason that I didn't wear a seatbelt is because it just physically would not fit walking into a store was I'd have to take breaks. I, I would wheeze for everything. It was, it was bad. Yeah. And there was nothing that I could do to stop it, even though I felt physically awful 100% of the time. It, 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 it did not make me stop. And I had no idea why I was doing it, except that I was compelled to. Did you ever question that compulsion? No. The very first time that somebody said, you know, you might be addicted to food, I, I said, well, what do you mean? How, how can you be addicted to food? And they described alcohol addiction. And they said, you know, they, they named, you know, do you, do you feel that you have to do it, that, that you can't have fun without it, that you can't complete certain tasks? You know, do, do you become irritable if you can't get to it, uh, you know, get to food, the, it being food? And they laid it out much better than I'm, I'm re recalling it now. But I said, no, 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 See, you don't need alcohol. You need food. And they said, you know, you, you can be addicted to things that you need. Just because you have to have something doesn't mean that you can overdo it. That's the whole thing behind everything in moderation. And I really just kind of frankly thought that person was an idiot. I got to be honest, I, I've never liked the term addicted when it comes to food. And maybe I'm in the minority there. I don't know. I just, to me, that it puts it at a different level of things that I don't think is really accurate. What do now, you think you, is accurate? Well, as, as we've just said earlier, you and I both eat for emotional reasons. Now, addiction to me implies that, you know, if you, if you try to stop, you're going to go through some sort of physical withdrawal, you know, and that's that's not really the case. The physical withdrawal from not eating like we did was we lose weight. <laughs> so yeah, that, yay for withdrawal. That being said though, I, I don't know. I, I think that there was an element of physical withdrawal that, that certainly doesn't exist now. See now when I can't get to food because you know, I, I'm busy, I'm stuck in traffic. I, it, it's a long work day. I, I do have hunger pains, but I can continue. So does everybody. Well, sure. But the point that I'm making is that back then, if I couldn't get to food, I couldn't continue working. I couldn't continue driving. I couldn't say, okay, look, I'm going to get this done and then eat. I had to stop everything and do whatever it took to get to food. I couldn't just wait for an hour. It, that was impossible. I carried snacks on me because there was no stopping me. There was no stopping me and I'd do anything for it. Do you remember Lonnie Anderson? Mm-hmm. The, the comedian Lonnie Anderson, he, he had this joke about being in a Chinese restaurant and uh, that the owner threw him out, said, you've been here four hours, you have to go now, you don't have to pay. And I remember when that joke came out because 
I'd never been in an all you can eat establishment for four hours, but I did camp. I, I, I did stay there for more than, you know, the, the half an hour that most people spend at all you can eat places. You know, I'd stay there for an hour and an hour and a half and I'd eat continuously the whole time because, you know, six bucks, all the food I could eat. Right. It was a dream come true. So maybe addiction's not the right word. Maybe it is the right word. I'm, I'm not sure what the DSM-5 describes binge eating disorder as, but I don't know, Vin. I think it's an emotional disorder, honestly. I mean, eating to me, you know, and, and I'm going way back to, to when I was a child, you know, it, it was comfort. Eating was a comfort. It was something that made me happy when other things in my life just weren't. I remember coming home from school, especially in the wintertime, and there were, there were two things I would do when I would get home. Since my father has passed away, I can confess to this now, but I would come home and turn up the heat in the house. We had baseboard registers for the, for the heating, so I'd lie on the floor with my feet next to, next to one of the grates, and that hot air would blast out onto my feet, which made me feel nice and toasty warm. And then I would have in front of me maybe a bowl of cereal or a nice big chunk of cheese or something equally fatty, something like that. These things made me happy. Of course, I always made sure to turn the heat back down before he got home from work. But, you know, so it was an emotional thing. It was, it was, it was a physical, sensory kind of thing that gave me pleasure. I was chuckling because you were a fat kid, not a dumb one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and step away for a minute to hear from our sponsor. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk to one of the people that knew me when I weighed 550 pounds and see what she has to say about that. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face -face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. And we're back. This time with Lisa, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And first, I do want to say to Gabe, it is Louis Anderson, the name of that comedian you were thinking of. Not Lonnie, Louis. It was a man. <laughs> then who's Lonnie Anderson? See, that's what I was going to interject before is when you said, hey, do you remember Lonnie Anderson? I'm thinking WKRP in Cincinnati. Of course I do. But then I didn't remember her talking about all-you-can-eat buffets, so I just shut up. <laughs> I also think that Lonnie Anderson was just a comedic actress, whereas Louis Anderson was a, uh, a very large stand-up comedian. But I am so glad that Lisa is on the show in order to correct me. So this was, this was definitely a good plan. A good plan, Vin. Happens Perfect. I like it. I like it. Go ahead, Vin. It's, it's your show now. <laughs> Lisa, you were, as Gabe said earlier, you were, you were with him when he was at his heaviest. Yes. Can you just give us some general observations of what you saw as, you know, a third party there? Yeah, don't pull any punches. Tell them about how you called me circus freak fat. Well, what do you mean in terms of what I saw? Like you were, you were very, very large. It was very, What, what did very you large. think when you saw him binge eating? 
Um, the first time I saw him really, because normally he wouldn't, well, he, he often would not want to binge eat in front of people. He'd want to binge eat alone. The first time I saw him truly binge eat in front of me, it was amazing. I mean, just amazing. Like you ever watch those eating contests? Like you wouldn't have thought a human being could chew that fast. It was amazing. It, it was like watching some sort of, I don't know, sideshow performer. It was incredible. In so a, it should in have a, been on really Animal Planet or something like that? And I, I was so shocked. I'm just sitting there watching. And I, I, I remember what I said to you was, wow, you can, you can really put it away because what else are you supposed to say, you know? Yeah. Over the years, though, when, you know, having known him for so long, did, did you ever talk to him about it, you know, in a, in a semi-confrontational kind of way or anything? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were dating at the time and it was a huge problem. This was a huge impact on our lives. It's almost impossible to live normally when you're that large. And of course, it was extremely annoying to watch how it is you handled your health. Oh, my health was a wreck. Well, yeah. And it was just extremely annoying to watch. And it just thought, oh my God, really? And of course, it, it is also difficult to watch someone you care about doing something you know is hurting them. It's, right. just, it's just all you can do not to smack that food right out of his hand, which doesn't work, by the way. It's, just, it's hard to watch someone deliberately destroying themselves in front of you. Obviously, I, I lost the weight. I, I'm, I'm a regular sized person now. I'm not saying that I'm not overweight, but you know, I, I weigh 270 pounds. I'm, I'm six foot three. So that's, that's half. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's half of the 550 pounds that I weighed at my heaviest. And a lot of people are going to wonder, I, I did have gastric bypass and that helped lose a lot of weight. I went to binge eating therapy. I went to counseling. I went to nutrition school. I, I learned such an incredible amount about the correct way to eat. It, I, I literally had to learn how to eat. And when I first had the gastric bypass, so here I am two, three weeks past the surgery. And this is a, you know, they, they, they cut you open. They rearrange your guts. I'm, I'm giving this a, a Yeah, really, you, didn't, you didn't have the laparoscopic version, did you? No, I was too fat. I, I, that's the only way that I can say it. I was too fat to have laparoscopic surgery in a hospital that was designed for bariatric and you know heavy people and my doctor when i was there said to me you are one of the biggest people that i've ever operated on and that's the bariatric surgeon that's a guy whose whole job it is to operate on big people that that is how you know you're really heavy when the guy who spends his entire professional life dealing with overweight people thinks that you are especially overweight and it was actually kind of creepy to be there at the bariatric surgery center and discover that you were the largest, that almost none of these people had as much weight to lose as you did. And, and then when that doctor came out and, and we said, oh, why did that take extra time? And he actually said, well, he's a big guy. He's got a lot. We had to, we had to do a lot. I thought, oh my goodness. I didn't realize it was that bad. I mean, I knew I was overweight. Don't, don't read too much into that. Oh, Gabe thought he was thin and sexy. No, I, I knew that I was overweight. I knew that I was a big guy, but I didn't know that I was the biggest. One of the things later on in, in life, you know, those fat exploitation television shows started coming out and, and there's just, there's, there's a bunch of them, but one of them was called my 600 pound life. I weighed 550 pounds. I, I was within 10% body weight of being eligible to be on that show. And that show was, it was designed for the heaviest of the heaviest. Just, it wasn't designed for obese people. It was designed for obese people. And that was me. It, it, it's frightening that I didn't realize it. 
one of the things I want to touch on and one of the reasons we asked Lisa to be on the show is after I had the surgery. So here I am, my entire identity and all of my emotions and my entire defense mechanism and everything about me is wrapped up in eating. So now I've had surgery. It's my first surgery that I ever had. Very traumatic. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. And I actually collapsed or sat down, depending on how you look at it, in a parking lot in public and just started crying. Uh, you, you take it from here. You did. You just started crying. And it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And it's especially heartbreaking to see someone who's so upset. And you, you leaned against the car and started crying and, and said, I'm, I'm just so sad and I don't know what to do. And then you said, and I don't even have food. And it was, it was just heartbreaking. I almost started. Well, I think I did start to cry. It was just really horrible to watch. Gabe, prior to that, did you actually understand fully how much your eating was based around your emotions? Did you actually grasp it yet at that point? No, not at all. My family is great. I, I, I have a great family, but listen, everything is, every celebration, everything is food. Uh, somebody passes away in my family, food. Somebody graduates, food. Somebody celebrates, food. In my family, every birthday is celebrated with one, the cake that you get to pick out, the food that you get to choose, along with all the accompanying food that goes with it. That's the present. So when I was very little, my mom's like, hey, all the food that you eat today, you get to pick. And the answer is always yes. And you know, I didn't come from a wealthy family, so, or, or even really an upper middle class family. So being allowed to pick this food, just, I, I'm kind of getting excited right now just thinking about it. I mean, that, that's how lingering it is. These were very happy memories. Food is love. In, in, in my life, food is love in my family's life. And I couldn't imagine something that represented love hurting me. Right. It did not compute. I get that. And you can even see the way that he's talking now. Oh, yes. The emotional response he has. Even now, 10, how long has yes. it been? Over 10 years, almost 15 years later, how, how, how deeply involved you still are on this idea of food and emotion. Yes, our listeners don't realize this, but Gabe and I connect by video on this. So I... I can describe that he was quite animated in his discussion just now. His hands were waving all over the place, and that's not like he normally is. So yes, it clearly does still have a, a big emotional effect on you. And of course, it, it is about all things in moderation, and I hadn't learned moderation yet. Food made me happy, and in many ways, Vin, it still does. Even now, when you, when you listen to Gabe talk, he's telling, a ch especially if he's talking about the past or childhood stories, it's, it's, it's subtle, but it's always food. Every story has an accompanying food. It's not just, oh, we went to the amusement park and it was so great. It's, oh, we went to the amusement park and we ate this and this and this and this. And it's, it's really very depressing <laughs> to listen to and to think about and to think about what this eventually did to you. And even now, you, you feel like a, a celebration isn't complete without food or you plan your, even now you do a lot of planning around food. And I, I actually feel bad about that a lot because, you know, we, we look at you now and you're normal sized. You know, it's, it's been 15 years. You've been normal sized. Lots of people, you know, do not remember you large. They didn't even know you then. Probably most of the people you currently know didn't know you then. So it's, it's weird to see after all this time, I tend to think of you as being normal. Oh, he's normal. He has a normal relationship with food, whatever that is, or at least a, a, a livable relationship with food, but, but you don't. It's still with you. A lot of our personal conversations involve food, as, yeah. as I 
as I realize now. Um, and in, in my case, a lot of it is with regret because there are things that I really shouldn't eat anymore at all because uh, of, of having diabetes. So I, I longingly miss the, the days when I would have that full pint of ice cream. And I also think that you don't get enough credit for that. We all think that, oh, no, you're just fine now. You don't need to worry about this anymore. The surgery fixed you. You don't need to think about this. But no, this is still a struggle for you. Not binging is a struggle for you on a daily basis. And I, I don't think you get enough credit for resisting that. It, it was very difficult. And on the way out, I, I want to say some things. And I want to say that, one, bariatric surgery is not the cure-all that some people think that it is. Many people have said to me, oh, did you lose the weight on your own or did you take the easy way out? Having your body cut open and going through all the things that I went through can, can never be described as the, as the easy way out. It was extraordinarily difficult. And I have been very successful because of how hard that I worked and, and probably a little bit of luck, but it took a lot. It took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of groups. It took a lot of nutrition counseling. There was a lot of ups and downs, both in my mental status and my weight. And finally I got there and I'm happy that I did. And I would encourage anybody that's looking to lose weight to just learn as much as they can about nutrition, about the, the illness behind it. You know, Vin, it's, it's just like when we did that episode on sleep. It's like, right. hey, are you sleeping correctly? Uh, many people sent us messages and they were like, okay, at first we weren't going to listen because we know how to sleep, you idiot. <laughs> and uh, then they'd listen to the episode and they're like, we had no idea. <laughs> we, yeah. we missed a lot. and. Right. Eating is much the same. We think we know how to eat. I thought that I knew how to eat and I was completely wrong. And by learning the correct things, it, it really did change my life. Great. Hey, Lisa, thanks for stopping by and telling everybody how fat I was. I really appreciate that. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Gabe. You, you were in fact circus freak fat. <laughs> Van, uh, thanks for inviting her on the show. And of course. everyone... Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can get a week of convenient, affordable, private online counseling absolutely free anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psych central. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Psych Central Show. Please rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psychcentral is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at gabehoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counsellor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. 
One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.